Hello, and welcome to Good Film Hunting, the podcast where two sisters living in different parts of the country talk about their favorite movies from childhood and then current movies that they love from today. And today we have two very special guests um, and are talking about a very special movie, so I'll hand it over to Eleanor. So today, since we'll be talking about a women in science movie, we wanted to have two women in science. So we have two people. We have Liz Siegler, who is in biochemical... (laughs) biomedical engineering I knew it's always one of the two and I always mess it up and then we have Christine Solinsky who's in pharmacology right close close enough okay (laughs) (laughs) okay so and I was in the fortunate position where we got to see I got to see hidden figures with them in celebration of Liz's birthday so that makes it even more oh happy birthday Liz Okay, and also because we really like supporting um, people's work and what they're doing, would you be able to describe a little bit of your ideal project? I know not every day is an ideal work day in the lab, but the ideal <laughs> day. Like, what is the what is your dissertation topic, per se? Liz, you want to go yeah, first? Christine. <laughs> <laughs> sure, fine. Okay, well, first off, uh, I'm a third-year PhD student in biomedical engineering, and... Uh, our lab does cancer immunotherapy, so we have immune cells that fight off diseases and whatnot. Um, but they can also be trained to fight off cancer cells. So our task is retraining the immune cells to attack cancer so that instead of using chemotherapy or radiation or something along those lines that's harsh and foreign to the body, you can use your own immune system to rid yourself of cancer. So that's like the overarching kind so of like your goal and this thing has kind of exploded recently so hopefully i'm not too late um, i do the same in my daily life i find a search no therapy a cure for cancer that's what i do too she's being sarcastic (laughs) (laughs) annie i think sometimes you forget that not always our sarcasm translates well i know i'm terrible at sarcasm i really should stop anyway sorry (laughs) (laughs) that okay christine how about your research so my research is uh, all about personalized medicine, and specifically I'm trying to take what are called induced pluripotent stem cells, a.k.a. adult stem cells, so um, like something from people's, like a blood sample or their skin cells, I make those into stem cells, and then make the stem cells into brain cells, and I'm doing this for people from all, with, who have Alzheimer's disease to hmm. see if they respond to um, specific treatments, uh, specifically um, one that my lab is developing um, as a regenerative drug for Alzheimer's. You guys I mean, are too smart. Incredible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the incredible. Well, it incredible every day. <laughs> <laughs> but that, I mean, isn't that the case with every job is that it's always so impressive what someone's able to accomplish in like a year or a month and it never feels like that when you're doing it. Yes. <laughs> Ever. That's true. No, it still doesn't feel like that. <laughs> it <laughs> I will. I remember that was one year ago. I'm like, oh, that's it. <laughs> science, science is longer term. Each mm, yep. PhD <laughs> uh, A month is a very short time in a PhD's life. Yes. <laughs> yeah, okay. you guys are PhDs. Years. Okay. It's incredible. So pop culture things of this week. Who I can start. I'll just put myself out there because I know what I want to say. <laughs> 
Sorry, I didn't send the spreadsheet, guys. Um, wait, wait. So what part is this? So it's the beginning. We are looking. We're talking about a pop culture thing that we enjoyed from this week. It can be a book, a movie, a TV show, anything you like. A news story. One time, it was the Queen getting up from bed for me, literally. Um, so. Anyway, this week for me, though, I just started teaching a class of young women in um, at this place called Metro, um, and they're like freshmen in high school, and anyway, I see them after school, and I'm supposed to be teaching them about life, which is funny because, like, it's me, so... Um, one of them, I was just, like, asking them, I was like, what's cool, like, in life now? Like, what should I know about? What's the DL in high school these days? And one of the girls, like, looked at me, gave me this look, and was just like, um, shameless, duh. And I was like, oh, I've heard of that show, but I've never seen it. So I watched it this weekend, and I became, like, slightly obsessed, where I watched the entire first season in a matter of three days. So, shameless is mine. It's good. Wonderful. Thanks. Also, is the DL still a term that kids use? No, no, I'm old now. Okay, well, this weekend weekend have affirmed. Um, I'm going to talk about the fact that yesterday I saw the movie Patriot's Day, which um, empirically is not a great film, (laughs) but I think it was a really fun viewing, not fun, fun is the wrong word, because it's about, like, terrorism. Um, (laughs) But... (laughs) But it was a really cool viewing experience because I got to see it with a few friends, two of whom I lived with or uh, lived, two of whom also lived in Boston during the 2013 marathon bombing. So it was really interesting watching it with my friend Alexa because at the time she was getting her master's in photojournalism from BU and she was taking pictures the day of the marathon just because that's what photojournalism students do. And then it became a much bigger deal and she was at the press conferences where they released the pictures of, like, Black Hat and White Hat. And mm. it was fascinating because they, they even recreated that scene, obviously. But there was, like, one scene of, like, a tiny little blonde girl, like, with her camera. And I was like, Alexa, what if that's a picture of you <laughs> that they recreated for this film? <laughs> so it was, like, it was a really cool viewing experience, particularly with them. And because the final scene, the, uh, the cops celebrate by going to Doyle's, which is where we would go every Tuesday mm-hmm. when we lived in Boston. It's my favorite bar in Boston. <laughs> All right. So, Christine, <laughs> what's something you've loved from this week? This week? Okay. In the last week, it's Tuesday. Um, I watched a lot of TV this weekend, <laughs> but most of it was... <laughs> Pretty innocuous. <laughs> um, I started watching the new show Victoria that is on PBS. <gasps> I didn't know it got released. I'm so jealous. Yeah, it just started. You can watch it on PBS's website. I highly recommend it. Yes, marking it now. <laughs> um, so that's probably one of the better things I watched this weekend. I mean, if you compare it to, like, what else did I watch? Outlander. Not as good as Victoria. <laughs> I need to watch Victoria. It's high yeah, I, also, I also think I need to watch Outlander. Yeah, I me too. I started reading part of the book, and it's like, you know, like one of those things that's like kind of salacious, but like also fun. Yeah, so I read the books because somebody sold them to me as, this is sci-fi, which is a lie. <laughs> the time traveler, but historical yeah. kind of. The time travel part. It yeah. was built to be a historical fiction and not romance. But let's be honest, 
it really is salacious. And that's a great word to describe it. <laughs> Which can be fun. It can be real fun. It can be. It can be. So, yes. I mean, the TV show has a great soundtrack. And it's beautifully shot. So, it's good for those things. <laughs> also, you get to look at Scotland. Which and is having beautiful. recently been in Scotland, I could just look at pictures of Scotland all day. It, it, me yeah. too. and I went to Facebook to, like, check that, you know, the, like, the top three trending things that are always in the corner. I'm like, ooh, what can I talk about? Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely, you know, on the DL or whatever you can say nowadays. You guys, got, you guys got your scientists. We don't keep up on Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, okay, so Facebook, tell, it's got stuff about Gmail, uh, Malaysia Airlines, Flight 370. Did they find it? No. Yeah, wait, oh, the point is they, yeah, so I actually, I did read about this before going to Facebook in a panic. <laughs> but, like, yeah, it crashed two years ago, and I remember, like, you know, reading that story really closely and following it, and never found it, and they not, you know, didn't get anywhere close to finding it, and it's just kind of sad how that kind of disappears. Like, I read the headline, and I'm just like, oh, yeah, that was a thing. Okay, not to be a downer. Pop culture. Um, <laughs> culture. Uh, that works. That's pop culture. Uh, well, it could right. also be something like a lot of times it'll be like a YouTube video that I'm like, dang, like that spoke to me in a real way because YouTube videos speak to me in real ways, apparently. Well, apparently, so no. The only thing I've watched on YouTube recently is this channel. Kevin was into, and then he showed me one because he thought it would annoy me, but I was in a really weird mood because last week was my first week back from break, and so I was, like, feeling all the emotions. Uh, <laughs> and so, uh, anyway, he showed it to me because he thought it would annoy me, but I actually found it funny. And then as the week went on and I, like, got adjusted to not being on break, I found it dumber and dumber, and I was like, why would I ever find this funny? But it's called H3H3. And it's this guy who basically has, like, a sixth-grade sense of humor. And I don't know. husband things, I guess. <laughs> I'll probably post it so I have to watch it. They yes. make comedy videos is what it said. They do something called, like, this baby syringe channel is disturbing. I have not seen that one. Uh, <laughs> anyway, but I stopped watching it. It lasted about four days. Um, watch it with Kevin and laugh at its dumbness. But now I just think it's dumb. <laughs> that was my that's very valid and pop culture things but it's re- it is really exciting and this is a great transition moment is I know going to movies isn't your favorite thing but you did go to see a movie in theaters I did okay and you saw Hidden Figures can you give us a brief synopsis of what Hidden Figures is about black women in NASA crushing it so good <laughs> Do I need to synopsize more? Like, is that what you want? <laughs> this is a very scientific um, version. I mean, it's great. It's, it is one of my favorite parts, I think, is how people describe the movies that they're talking about. Agreed. Because you'll, some people are, like, very poetic, and some people, it always, like, very much fits their personality in a way that very little else does. Yes. Is, like, how someone describes a movie, I think. Agree. Okay. 
so Christine, would you add anything to black women <laughs> were getting ass up? I, I would probably add like at the beginning, like during the space race, just to give it some time context. That's all I would add. context. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Providing context. Yeah. Oh, oh my goodness. So, yeah. So one of the questions I wanted to ask about hidden figures is, was there any scene that stuck out to you as particularly important or something um, that you felt like you hadn't seen before in film or television? Mm. Can I go? Yes, Annie. <laughs> I'll raise I'm my hand. I spent so much time in schools. Um, so for me, the, the relationship between Kirst, Kirsten Dunst's character and um, Octavia Spencer. Octavia Spencer's character was really important because it was it kind of I felt like looked at um, like the people that are like wait like I'm not racist but like I go along with these like racist policies and I felt like it I hadn't really seen that portrayed in film because I think that's a sort of a kind of racism that gets. That, that, that just doesn't get shown because there's so many other blatant forms of racism. Um, but I loved that that part where, like, Kirsten Dunst is like, I just want you to know that I don't hold anything against you. And Octavia Spencer, like, turns to her and goes, and you know what, I believe that you feel that way. And I was like, oh, my gosh, yes. Like, this, this that's real. And, and it was just so beautifully put. So I don't think I'd seen that before. Yeah, I think that ended about as well as it could have because, you know, once she said that, I thought it was going to escalate and become really nasty, and then, you know, the white women would be pitted against black women, and I saw this all, like, spiraling out of control, because I like looking at worst-case scenarios. Uh, but the way it ended, I thought was really good. Because it was kind of, you know, this mutual respect, I think, but it wasn't overly, like, sappy, like, you know, right. oh, we're all one kind of a thing. It just, I don't know. I agree. I liked Good job it. With wrapping that up. And I liked that at the end of that, like, kind of little storyline, it was really about, like, women helping women. Because then Octavia Spencer takes on some more of, like, the white female computers into the right. to the programming. And I was like, yes, it's not, com yeah. it shouldn't be competitive. It should be, like, us all helping each other up. Um, but it also wasn't overly blatant, like, yeah, girl power, but. Totally. Yes. Exactly. Well, I think it had more to do with her super supervisor role anyway and how, like, that was a very well-deserved position. And the fact that she was the first one at NASA, um, first black supervisor of, like, either gender at NASA. Um, and what it – I think it communicated leadership skills across the board, which was cool. Right. I really liked the um the scenes that showed uh I'm because I'm terrible with names. Who's the main character? What's her name? Taraji uh, P. Henson. Yes. I liked what they showed in terms of of and I don't think all three of them really, but they're they're problem solving just from a science perspective. Uh, see that a lot in movies I feel like that's kind of the part it's not it's not visually dynamic most of the time 
I mean, at least she got to draw on a whiteboard. <laughs> but if you looked at like Liz or mine's life, my like daily lives, if we came up with a dynamic breakthrough, it would not be exciting to watch. <laughs> um, so I appreciate that they kept that in there, I think. Um, and it showed kind of some of the blood, sweat, and tears and, and the, the kind of late nights and the that that side of it I, I appreciated. Well, and I think it, it also demonstrated different aspects of like their problem-solving ability in different ways because it was even particularly, again, I'm terrible with character names, but Janelle Monet's character, Mary Jackson, um, how she handled the obstacles the the systemic systemically racist obstacles that were put in her way to achieving an engineering degree and how she like attacked it very methodically which is yeah and even in the way that she approached and the the judge in the courtroom and it was very clear that she had done her research um yeah and to me that was like a very scientific kind of mentality and I might just be projecting because I was like I would never think to do that wait Um. (laughs) can I say something else that I like loved about this movie like I'm all about the girl power and girl and science power and that's like awesome but I did appreciate that there like there were african-american like characters in this movie like african-american men who were entirely supportive of their wives and were like in the family. I don't think we see that enough in films as well. Um, of like strong black families. You know what I'm talking about? Where where both parents are really supportive and of each other and of each other's dreams. So I found that really refreshing as well. Um, just to like shout out to good men. Woohoo. <laughs> it took them a while to get there, but they right. did by the movie. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah, and what I like about that too is that it 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 made the focus on the the women less like women versus men or like whites versus blacks, but like women overcoming the problems. Um, obviously, those other themes are still present, but I felt like that wasn't the main kind of theme behind a lot of the problems. I mean, the problems it was, but I'm not explaining them as well. But I think you kind of get the idea. <laughs> One thing showed. I did- Oh, go for it. This is what Christine is saying. Uh, I'm discovering I'm not very good at podcasts. (laughs) What? You're great. great. Yay. Thanks, guys. Girl power. Um, So they didn't show a whole lot of, I mean, you know that the civil rights movement was going on and all this historical context, but they didn't actively show the opposition point you know like and I like that a lot because I think there have been enough movies that just focus on that as opposed to you know how the underdogs overcome it I guess I'm also not doing a <laughs> not doing a good job of explaining this but I don't know I liked how they didn't just like fixate on oh yeah 1960s you know um, they just kind of focused on the women and their personal stories and that just kind of you know was somewhat representative of what was happening I think it I think it did though work to connect to the larger issues at the time though because particularly um and there was there were certain scenes in this movie that to me felt like almost tired by the time I'd seen them I saw them in theaters because I guess I had seen the trailer a lot or had been to lots of movies where 
its trailer had played beforehand. But even the opening, one of the opening sequences when they're like, um, uh, like tailing the like officer who's getting them to NASA because he's like more anti-communist than he is like racist. Right, right. Um, so that I thought was really interesting. And then one of the scenes I thought was so beautiful, and again, this is something we can get into, particularly, like, so much could be said about Kevin Costner as white savior across, like, almost all films. But he, like, also, but, like, wasn't really as... Okay, well, we'll get into that. Okay. No, but the scene where Katherine Johnson finally cracks, in a sense, and, um, you know, she's dripping wet, she's just had to run to the bathroom, and just... Like, calling people out on the fact that she is doing the work. She has not complained up until that point about so many kind of slights and injustices. And she's able to call people out and then kind of the subtle behavioral changes that exist because of that. So I think it, I think it demonstrates the weird dichotomy where it's like the – like – thinking in sociological terms about code switching. So how, like, patterns of behavior, how someone is supposed to act, and then calling it out and seeing see what happens. It was just a really interesting sequence. Yeah. I believe that. But you wanted to say something, Annie. Oh, yeah. I mean, I kind of appreciated that Kevin Costner wasn't really... I mean, there was, like, one scene where he was a white savior, but, like, even that this sequence... This the sledgehammer to the bathroom sign scene. Yes, exactly. Yes. I mean, I think we can all identify it, right? But I I still liked that on some level it wasn't... He wasn't doing it because he was, like, white and, like, the way that they're treating this, like, black woman is wrong. It was really more like, we just have work to get done, and, like, you're a worker, and this needs to get done. Like, I actually appreciated that it was almost coming from a place where he was just a boss who had shit that needed to get done, you know? Um, I thought it was kind of the opposite, because he, at that point, somewhat personally knew Catherine, so mm-hmm. I thought it was like, you're discriminating against this person, you know? So kind of the opposite of just like, oh, we need to get work done. It's... Yeah. I see that too. Interesting readings, because I would agree kind of with Annie. I was like, oh, like, this guy's like so wrapped up in like what he's doing that he just wants the work to get done. So it's like less of a personal thing, and that like, yeah, like he noticed her and he got her the pearls, but that was secondary. So that's like a really interesting reading. And we could almost argue that that's like a human and humanistic versus like scientific analysis of it. Sorry. Having way too much fun. <laughs> you really are. Okay, should we have radical honesty? Yes, a moment of radical honesty. Who wants to go first? Is this about, like, anything in our life right now? Yeah. Truly anything. Unrelated. This is unrelated to Hidden Figures? Yeah. Totally unrelated. It's, okay, yeah, I, I don't can explain first, the... Though. I'll explain the premise... So Annie became obsessed with a television show called Girlfriend's Guide to Divorce. So and bad. They, it's really terrible. Don't. It looks as if Christina's seen it. Is this the case? Seen it, but I've heard about this show, and it looks terrible. Uh, <laughs> it is. Well, it was some. We ended up watching like a fair bit of it when we were in Ireland and the UK and stuff because Annie had it like saved to her iPad. Um, and they have this thing where the characters would be like radical honesty and then they would just say something like unrelated but like that they wanted to get off their chest and so we were like we as much as this show is ridiculous we should adopt radical honesty into our own existence Mm -hmm. Uh, 
So radical honesty tonight, I had vegan food for dinner. And though I want to like it because I feel like I would be a better person if I were vegan and aware of, you know, stuff, like it just doesn't taste nearly as good. So <laughs> someone who was vegan for a year and a half, I can attest to that. So <laughs> feel bad, Eleanor. It's okay. I don't want to taste like rubber after a certain point. All right. Does anybody else want to have radical honesty? I can, though. It doesn't matter. Am I, are we we all ready for my radical honesty? Because it's pretty radical. I am, like, so, and I mean, Liz, you're married, so, like, maybe this doesn't really apply to you, but I'm, like, so over men not taking action like I'm just like over it and I'm just like if you want to do something if you like someone just just do it like just do me a favor and just be like honest and upfront because I'm just like done and that's where I'll leave that that's why I asked Kevin to ask me out you gotta take yeah don't leave it up to them I know I don't but I don't know I don't know that I care that much but then I just get frustrated oh I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. Let's just stop. I I had yeah. my moment of radicalized. You were the one who brought it up, Annie. I know so much. Now I'm done. But it also, I mean, your radical honesty answered a question that I was going to have to ask you offline anyway. But now I know how your Sunday night went, so it's fine. Well, it was no, no, no. Not Eleanor. Not only was it Sunday night, it became Monday night too. So like, my life is ridiculous. Anyway. It's time to cut and run. It is. Oh, oh, undoubtedly. (laughs) Luckily, you're running to a certain Southeast Asian country. (laughs) Okay, no. Christine, radical honesty. Or Liz, please. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to come up with something. Um, I don't know how how well I can follow that, though. (laughs) Uh, Radical honesty. Um, Um... um, ugh, I'm so bad at this. Liz, are you any better? <laughs> well, I'm closer to 30 than I am to 20 now, as of Saturday. Um, so that's kind of weird. That's radical honesty. More than halfway through the 20s, and I just got back from a week at home last Monday. And I've lived, you know, thousands of miles from my parents for a few years now. And I'm married, so, like, all the signs point to, like, oh, yeah, there's a real adult, which is... But anyway, um, but it's still really hard to leave home, you know? Like, anyone else have that issue? Is it just me? No. Like, attached to my parents? It sucks. <laughs> also, Liz, like, to be honest, this is something Annie and I have talked about recently, is that I didn't really feel, like, in control of myself in a way until I was 26 and I don't know what it was about like being 26 it's so fun it's 26 was like in a way the easiest and most exciting year I had like of my existence it's so like if you look at it empirically it was like very challenging you came here right yeah and like for all intents and purposes it should have been like very challenging and very difficult I lived in a terrible apartment like Nothing was going right in my life, but it Friends was like, with me. That's why. Yeah, it was. It was that. That was it. Enti- that's it entirely. We'll just chalk it up to that. <laughs> One and done. <laughs> I don't know if actually you had some wisdom there. Tell me. <laughs> no, it just becomes it was, easier. I don't know. I 
and I've talked to other people about this, and I remember one of my cousins saying this when she, we were younger, and she's like, 24 can be fun, 25, but she's like, it might not necessarily be fun. 25, she's like, is a weird age. And then it was like, 26, something just, like, slides into place. And it's like, all right, and it won't. <laughs> yeah, but, but you're forward, getting it. You're mid-20s. Like, and so I think the thing with, uh, the like, early and mid-20s is that you're supposed to feel kind of like, oh, is this it? And then you're like, oh, this is it, but I'm okay with that, and I'm happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I guess my radical honesty following up from that would be that there's plenty of these, and I'm, whatever, 28, um, (laughs) (laughs) that I don't feel like an adult. And I think, which bugs me a lot, because I think most of it's to do with the fact that I'm still in school, so therefore I get treated like a child a lot, which bugs me. But yet, like, of hidden figures i wanted to follow up with this because i know right after the movie i thought it was so fascinating for me coming from like a very minimal really like arguably a poor science background um and i don't know particularly why that is it might have just been i I fight this in my head all the time moment of a second moment of radical honesty sometimes i worry that i possibly bought into the idea that i wasn't good at science and math when i was young oh you did I did? Yeah. So, okay. But um, but part of that is, though, too, is that I know that our family kind of across the board, like, especially our, like, immediate family is particularly talented at history. So I'm like, oh, maybe it's just that, like, I gravitated towards what came a little bit more naturally. So it's hard to, hard to say. But, I, like, watching Hidden Figures, I was like, wow, like, I feel like they didn't, like, really dumb down a lot of the science. And I was like, it felt like intelligent. And then you guys were like, it was the silliest thing. And I was like, (laughs) (laughs) so if you could speak to that, I think that would be useful. Yeah. So I think my takeaway from it was, is that they didn't do a really good job of explaining either technically or not, even just like dumbing it down. I don't think they really explained what they were doing. I mean, they, they did eventually, like you knew they were calculating the latitude and longitude of their landing coordinates and where I think he was coming out of orbit, like the latitude and where he had orbit. Longitude, this was the outcome of what they were doing. So I think at the beginning it was just like, they're doing math to help the space program and why, we don't know. <laughs> um, and at one point, like when they solve like the problem of 
um, oh, do we need new math? Or no, no, we don't. And they went to, like back to a really old theory. I think it's too bad. Maybe there's some deleted scenes around that, but they didn't explain like what does and why it solved their problem. Um, so I think I agree with your assessment that they weren't super strong on making the math accessible. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I just thought that was so fascinating. I was like, wow. Yeah. Yeah, but even having a science background, I didn't find it super clear most of the time. Okay. It took a while. Glad you said that because we walked out of the theater and Kevin's like, yeah, that was like really poorly explained science. And I was like, wow, science guy. I don't know. I'm so removed from my days of like doing hard math. Yeah. So removed isn't like three years, but whatever. That. To me, it was also like, oh, okay, I don't know. I did, but I also didn't, like, attempt to follow what they were doing, which maybe that's me a bad scientist, I don't know, or I a bad, mov bad movie watcher. Um, no. I, I feel like in some scenes... Sorry, Christine is breaking up a little. I don't know if it's just no. my connection or what's going on, but sorry if I cut you off. No, it's okay. You're good. Um, okay. Okay. Um, I lost thought. <laughs> you're so funny yeah no, no, well I mean I think that um I actually felt like what you were just mentioning is that like you didn't follow the science all that closely and I would say that I felt very similarly like I had a general idea of like this was really like necessary um you know math um, and engineering, but, like, I don't really need to understand it all, because that's not, like, the point of this movie, right? It wasn't, like, to teach me science yeah. and, like, para para parabolic and elliptical, like, whatever. I was actually gonna bring that, yeah, right, when she's talking about it, she's like, so instead of elliptical orbit, it would be parabolic, whatever. I don't even know if that makes sense, but, um, I feel like they were kind of just throwing in words that they felt they would vaguely know regardless mm. of whether they were important or not, just to be like, look, guys, she's talking about shapes, you know? Right. Yeah, I feel like we needed an aeronautical engineer to tell us if it was accurate or not. Yep. <laughs> I mean, it sounded, it sounded legit. I think, I mean, those are, as far as I'm aware, like, orbital shapes. But that's all I got. That's all I know about the math that was presented in that you got the wrong kind of scientist for this podcast. Sorry, guys. <laughs> no, you guys are the we best kinds of best kinds of scientists. Um, but I, I. So, what do you think will be the legacy of hidden figures? And is it something that you would recommend to young girl, young viewers, but like especially young girls today? Okay. Okay, I'm just going to jump in. I'm sorry, because I feel very passionately. I think every woman on earth should she, should see this movie, particularly young women of color, but I think everyone should. And I'm going to say that because I went by myself to see this movie on Saturday. Cried by myself for two hours. It was fine. But I also felt like I was part of a community, because like the, the movie theater was filled with people of all ages, like all races, all genders, and everyone like was clapping like people were cheering during this movie and I saw like older black women just like sobbing and older white women sobbing and like their husbands standing there supportive and I was just like oh my gosh every woman needs to see this movie to realize that like yeah you can do math and science and so 
I mean, I told, like, all the girls I was with tonight, I was like, you guys all need to go see this movie. If I had any say, I'd take us on a field trip to go see it right now. Because I do think it's important. And and somebody mentioned this to me, and I hadn't really realized it until I was, like, in the theater and thinking about it. But this is one of the first times that that I have seen a movie that has featured three African-American women, like, on the poster, and they weren't playing maids or servants or slaves. And I think that's really powerful, too, just for us culturally, to see black women as something more um, than subservient, you know? I don't know. So just so many good things. I agree with the so many good things part, and I do think everyone should see it. Um, But... I have a feeling it's going to, like, I mean, it's depressing not to be a downer, but I have a feeling it's just going to fade to the background, like, really fast, you know, because I don't know what other movies are coming up soon, Eleanor. <laughs> but I assume it's just going to get overshadowed by, I don't know. Well, well, interesting a reason enough, for that is, but... is that I read recently that it could be a surprise Best Picture contender, that it's, like, slowly working its way to um, the top picks which i think is accurate i also think to be honest that it's helped in that by the fact that jenna bush messed up the title at the golden globes did you hear about that hidden fences yeah when there's i mean it's it's like one of those things it's it's you can't do stuff like that (laughs) particularly in the age of twitter because that was like one of those things that i feel like even 10 15 years ago would have had some impact Nobody would, would have been talked on maybe like the today show the next day but it was on the same night it was incredible how my roommate could pull up there was like a very funny twitter hashtag that came about again this is demonstrating how little i know about twitter about like w- mixing up like the titles of black like black films and i was like oh my gosh like there's a there's a market for that now and people can connect about those issues and you're going to get scorched if you say it wrong but I don't, I actually don't know. I don't think this will fade in part because, and it's one of those things that's hard to tell about with LA because we get so many of the award contenders movies come out here earlier than they come across, come out nationwide. So this is a film that's getting a wider push um, throughout the country in January than many of the awards ones. And this past weekend at the box office, it overtook Rogue One, which was like, unexpected yeah for domestic box office um and i think coupled with that the fact that it has a really strong soundtrack and the soundtrack matches really well and you can see and it's and the soundtrack's fun too in part because it plays with the historical sounds that would have would have happened uh, during the time of the film, but then also really have a modern flair. And I think that's because Pharrell Williams was not only the music director, but he was also a producer on the film. So he was kind of engaged in the content for many years at the point of the film's release. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. So I guess I guess for that, and I agree with everyone. I think it is worth seeing. Um, I texted my mom and said that she could take my uh, little eleven-year-old sister to go see it. Um, 
because I think, and, and it's not even just like the math and science. I think a lot of it comes back to, again, you're seeing women solving problems and not problems related to men and not problems related to, I mean, mostly men, let's be fair. <laughs> like their problems are not related to men. They're, they're, I want to be an engineer. I want to be part of this team to send, put a man into space. Like I want to be a supervisor. And, and those are very real issues that are practical and translatable to all the stuff that we're still trying to figure out right now. Um, like all four of us are facing these issues in some way, shape or form. Um, so I think in that way, it's very relatable, whether you decide to, to, to pursue math and science or any STEM field, or whether you decide to just go to, I don't know, you're a journalist or whatever, but you're in a workplace. Um, and so I think it's important to see those, those kind of issues and make them um, more talked about. And I don't know, just again, make them relatable for, for young girls now, because you have to make it, you have to normalize it now for there to be any kind of behavior change in the next, I don't know, 15, 20, 30 years. That's a beautiful way to describe it too. Is like making it normal that to for girls to see women in fields which they historically haven't been presented in. Yeah. Um. I remember. I think it, it was while I was teaching middle school girls that what was it? The uh, Associated Press um, and some of the major companies that do stock images that you know get picked up in advertisements and on websites. They made a concerted yeah. effort, particularly to put women in science, um, women in scientific fields and not just have like, if they, if you search, you can go on tons of these websites that have sell like eye stock photos and stuff like that and search doctor. And for so long it would come up just being a male, a white male doctor and making a concerted effort to be like, well, it, it could just as easily be a Latino woman as the doctor. And if we have that in advertising, that makes that makes girls think that like oh not just doctors yeah not just men are doctors and stuff like that yeah I think it's it's such a good way the idea of normalizing it yeah that is beautiful way to go Christine thanks <laughs> <laughs> crushing it I think there's some efforts that are trying to do it it's funny I was out Christmas shopping this year um, for like an adoptive family thing and we were trying I was shopping with another PhD friend of mine so another woman in science and we were buying for these girls who were whatever 12 or 13 and we're like okay so we're gonna go look for the sciencey toys in, the tar- in Target or whatever and one of them I think it asked for a doll or asked for Barbie specifically so we were like looking at like the the STEM Barbie and even then I was like this is terrible because it was very much just like a Barbie doll in a white coat-esque thing but like it was still like they were designing like a clothing rack and stuff there was no test tubes there was no beakers there was no whiteboards and I was like I don't like this isn't STEM (laughs) even though they're branding it as that and in the end we did get it because there was nothing else and it was better than like whatever random things they had for Barbies and dolls but it's it's a step but it wasn't a great step so and I feel like movies like this are way better than Mattel's attempts to say they're promoting science oh what a good point that is a good point all right so let's do a little quick round of so I think almost universally we would say all of us like definitely would recommend this movie not yes. only to general public like not only to young girls but specifically to the general public. I remember I left the movie and I like emailed my parents and I was like you should go see it. 
Whether or not they took my advice, I will find out. But they should. They would enjoy it. They haven't um, seen it yet because mom got sick. Oh, look at learning new things every day. <laughs> um, <laughs> but along with that, so um, this has been like such an awesome conversation. It has. But I would like to move to our final segment, which is in a lot of ways like the most fun. And I think um, it's always really interesting to hear people's thoughts. But if you could go anywhere in the world right now, regardless of like cost or time consideration or anything, where would you go and why? It's a really good question. My list of places to go is really long. So give me a second <laughs> to pick one. I mean, I, part of the conversations I had this past weekend were in the fact that, like, I got to see friends I hadn't seen for a while and talk about experiences and places and, like, the hope of doing something, doing a similar weekend again in the future. And then tonight at dinner, too, a totally separate friend mentioned the state of Utah, which is a state I don't think of all that frequently. And it just made me want to go to Utah. If I'm totally honest, like beautiful outdoor areas, I've secretly always really wanted to see um, Salt Lake City in part because I had to teach that history so many times. And I'm like, and I've read all, and so I've taught about how it's the intended to be a utopic city with the perpendicular, like very perpendicular <laughs> cross streets and perfection. And I was like, I want to see that. So for me, I know that's what I want right now. That's a good one. That's a good one. Um, if I was picking domestically, I would say Zion National Park. I really want to go to Zion. Um, you could also pick anywhere. You don't have to do domestic. No. <laughs> I was picking internationally. If safety wasn't a consideration, probably somewhere in like North Africa. I really want to go to like Morocco and that part of the world. You can Just go. Culturally different. All right. I like it. Liz. Antarctica. Why? <laughs> uh, this may come as a shock, but I'm not much of a people person. Uh, and there aren't a whole lot of people in Antarctica. And also, I really like penguins. And I want to see emperor penguins in the wild because they're just like hilarious the way they move and stuff when you see them on documentaries and i want to know if that's true like are they just kind of playing it up for the camera or is like you actually walk like that you know um, <laughs> oh my gosh that's I, so adorable i've never even thought of that yeah i also Penguins. Have, also they make really weird noises so that's fun two follow-up questions i'm a, so they're film questions because i know you haven't seen a ton of films you always get mad at me when i'm like yeah have you seen this you're like i've seen nothing <laughs> But have you seen March of the Penguins and Happy Feet? Uh, yes and no. You haven't seen Happy Feet? I have not. See, why do you, are you always surprised? Every time. <laughs> well, also, no, no, no. This is good to know because we can easily rectify this because I own Happy Feet 1 and 2 on DVD. It's like one of the like four films I own in L.A. <laughs> How come you own Happy Feet of all movies? Don't I DVD? Well, because it's an Austra it's an Australian film, and I did um, I did a research project just on Australian family films, like an independent study. So That's right. yeah, <laughs> so we could also watch Babe. 
We could watch. <laughs> we could watch them all. Yeah. Maybe yeah. We need to have uh, a, a group night, guys, just for Happy I Feet. I mean, Happy Feet. I had never seen it before. I did this project. It's outstanding. Also, Happy Feet Two is hysterical. My little brother and I became obsessed with it, and he was like twenty one or twenty two, and I was like essentially ancient. It was great. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, ancient so i think that if i could <laughs> eleanor is so ancient i think if i could go anywhere right now um i'm thinking like also i'm like so tired i like actually had to drink coffee today which is like insane uh i never do that but i'm so tired so um I think I would go find, like, an island by myself <laughs> and just, like, sleep for a couple of years. No, I want, like, it to be warm, though, because I'm in winter right now. <laughs> want to just sleep on a beach. That's, yeah. That's, <laughs> I can yes. always just sleep on a beach. <laughs> yeah, so I'm thinking, like, somewhere new, near New Zealand, like the American Samoa sounds, like, really great. Why not? Fiji. Vanuatu. All those. We could do it. Yeah. Ugh. Okay. Well, let's close out this podcast wishing good travels to everyone because we all picked awesome places. Awesome. (laughs) Bye, ladies. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast and participating with us today. (laughs) And you can find us online. We're on so many different platforms, podcast providers like iTunes and SoundCloud and Google Play. Google Play. I've like Stitcher. Put it so many. Stitcher. Annie knows. And we're on Instagram and we're on Facebook. And we would love to talk to you. But thank you so much and see you next time. Bye.